Move by your spirit in this place. 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 Have your way. Send your anointing in this place. 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 Have your way. I know someone came to be healed and delivered this day. Heal and deliver in this place. Heal and deliver, please, Lord. In this place. Heal and deliver in this place. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Oh, Lord, have your way, have your way, have your way, Lord, have your way. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Linda, 
Now, prior, my mom actually, before I started my um, BA, she wanted me to go to Andrews. And um, one of her best friends um, was out there, and she was just like, I think that would be great for you. Why don't you go out there? And I'm like, I don't want to go to a Seventh-day Adventist college, honestly. I said, I don't want to go. And then she was just like, well, okay. So I stayed here, and then this little voice, like I said, said, apply to Loma Linda for the graduate school. So I checked into Loma Linda, and then I saw that you didn't have to take the GRE. And I said, oh, okay, well, I guess you're speaking to me, God. So I said, let's do it. So I applied around, like, November. I applied, and I finished with my practicum in December. So next year, around February um, 2013, last year, I heard back. They said, okay, we're, you know, you had an interview. And I said, oh, okay, well, this is looking up. So I went on the interview, went to Cali, went on the interview, and around March, um, I was waiting for a response, and then they wrote me back, and they said, you know, you met all the requirement, you know, all that fancy talk, but we're putting you on the wait list. And then I was just like, huh, I thought you were, you know, I thought this is where God wanted me to go, and I said, what's going on? What am I going to do now? So I started looking into different options and, you know, what, what am I going to do? Because I can't really, you know, work in this field yet. Um, the school at the time, Miss, um, Mrs. Stevenson, she was going for surgery and they wanted a substitute teacher. And they're like, oh, okay, well, do you want to do it? And I said, sure, why not? So then I started praying. I'm like, God, are you telling me to, you know, become a teacher? Should I change my career path? And after the second day, I'm like, no, I don't think you're telling me to. <laughs> I don't think this is what you're telling me. And also in the back of my mind, I'm thinking nursing because in the Haitian community, it's like you have to be a nurse. You have to be a nurse. It's like nursing is the way to go. So I'm like, nothing against nurses, but I, that's not what I wanted to do. Like I literally, I did not like, you know, I didn't want to become a nurse. So I'm like, okay, God, are you telling me maybe I should go now and find a different career path? Should I go become a nurse? This, I probably wouldn't be going through this because you can, I can work with an associate degree, you know, in nursing. So I was just praying. I was praying, saying, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? So I started working. I found this job at Victoria's Secret. And I'm like, okay, well, I like this store, so why not? As I was um, I started off as a beauty girl, which pretty much you're selling the beauty products and you're selling perfume. And as I was standing there, like I was spraying people like, oh, try our new fragrance, try our new fragrance. And I'm thinking, is this, <laughs> is this what I went to school for four years for, God? I said, is this really what you have planned for me? So I lasted there for like a month and somebody told me about this job in a call center. So I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll try that. And during that time, sorry. I went to a deep depression around March and April. church 
looking nice, you know, with a smile on my face and everybody thinking everything is jolly. And inside, like, have you ever felt lost? Like, God, what do you want from me? What is, you know, what am I supposed to do with life? And I truly thank God for my mom for being so supportive and being there for me. And she keeps saying, Fundy, I'm proud of you. Don't worry. She was like, you got your degree at 21. It's going to be okay. I mean, sometimes it happens. And she would tell me this, but I'm like, you know, she's my mom, so she's supposed to say things like this. But on the inside, like, I felt like a failure. Like, I felt like... I didn't really accomplish anything. I'm just sitting here doing absolutely nothing with my mind. I mean, with my life. Now, people that know me, I'm a planner. Like, <laughs> I plan things out. I'm not the type you can just say, oh, well, let's go take a trip and, you know, have you not telling me where we're going, where we're staying. I, I need to know. So it was the first time where I had a plan in life. I'm like, by 21, I need to have this. By 24, I need to be done with this. By 25, I need to be done with this. And all this time not thinking, well, what is God plan for my life? That never crossed my mind because it was always about, you know, I'm doing good, so why wouldn't he want me to do good? So during this time, too, I also went kind of MIA from church. Like, I stopped coming as often. Like, I was involved in a lot of things, and I just stopped coming. And it actually really hurt because sometimes when I did come, people would like, Fundy, where have you been? Why aren't you coming to church? And all I wanted was sometimes for somebody to pick up the phone and said, hey, it's not like you. What's going on? Can I pray for you? You know, when I was going through those moments at nighttime, I actually never said this to my mom, but I went online looking on how to commit suicide. <laughs> I took a knife out the kitchen and I was I had it under my pillow for like a couple weeks. <laughs> and people might think this is crazy, like why? But it's just feeling like you're a failure, feeling like you have nowhere to go, what the next step is, is just, so every time I would come to church, people would say, what are you doing with your life, what's going on, why are you just working, why aren't you in school, so I was just like, you know what, I'm just not going to come to church anymore, because every time I came, I was just like, well, this is just even like making me depressed even more. And I will never forget this. Um, one day, now, Sister McDavid, me and her, we don't text at all. Like, we don't really talk on the phone. And out of the blue one day, when I was feeling down, she sent me this text message with this first scene out of the blue, <laughs> how everything is going to be okay. And I'm like, <laughs> we don't text. I didn't even know she texts. <laughs> so it was kind of like, and she sent it at the moment where I was sitting at home. I started crying, like, you know, where's my life going? And that truly touched me because all I wanted was somebody to reach out and just call and just pray for me or pray with me instead of saying, oh, well, you're just not coming to church anymore. So every day, actually, that period um, helped me with my relationship with God because I had to pray even more saying, God, what do you want? So by the time I, I turned 22, I'm like, okay, well, 
I'm 22 now, God. Like, again, people might look at it differently, but I look at it like, okay, I'm 22. What's my next step? What do you have in store for me? So um, I looked into grad school again, and I was just like, God had to show me I was so focused on I need to be a speech path, I need to be a speech path, I need to do this, I need to do that, that I lost sight of, you know, you're in control. So I had to step back and I had to say, you know what, if this is not what you want for me, God, just show me whatever you want because I want to do something in life. I'm not the type of person that can just work a regular job and be happy. I need to, I need to do something, so show me what you want for me. So that's how my prayer slowly changed. So I was just like, okay, well, it was time for me to apply to grad school. And I said, I'm going to apply again. And I said, this time I'm more prepared. I, you know, I have time. And I said, I'm just going to apply about 10 schools or so and see what happens. And I said, you know what, God, I just want you to open one door, one school. And I said, if I get accepted into one school, then I know this is what you want me to do. If I don't get accepted, then show me a different way. I'll look into anything else you want me to do, but I but I had to come to the frame of mind that I was not going to be depressed if I didn't get accepted into any other school. So I applied. I mean, I still had doubt. I'm like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And I apply. And throughout this whole moment, I had my good days, you know, that I was just like, okay, God is in control, you know, he's going to make this work. And I will hear all these great stories how, you know, God came through, I needed rent money, and God, you know, just somebody showed up my door with rent money, and I'm like, okay, where's this God for me? So I was trying to have hope and trying to believe. And I remember during this time um, when actually Erica, she went through you know, what happened to Erica, and then when I saw her recovery, like, it touched me. I didn't know it would touch me this way, because I'm like, (laughs) if you guys know, that was, like, a miracle, like, (laughs) just out of nowhere, and I'm like, if you can do this, God, like, why am I doubting you getting into some little school? Like, I did my part. Like, I have a great GPA. Everything is intact. So why am I, you know, doubting you? So I'm going on through life. I'm going on, and I was just like, okay, well, you know, just let it be. So I applied, whatever, and um, I remember it was time, you know, for us to hear back. Um, So... The first letter I received, I'm all excited, like, okay, let's see what this is, and it was a rejection. And I'm like, okay, well, I applied to, you know, a lot lot more, so let's wait. Second letter, it was a rejection letter. Third letter, now I applied several places. I applied in Texas, Kansas, and I applied to three schools in um, California because that's where I actually really wanted to go. And my mom, she said, when I was going to apply, she said, well, are you going to reapply to Loma Linda? And I said, for what? They didn't want me in the first place, so I don't want to go there. And she was just like, well, it's not going to hurt. Just reapply. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I'll reapply. So I reapplied. um, And I believe they were my third or the fourth letter I received. And they were like, oh, Fendi, you've met all the requirements, but we're going to put you in the wait list. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) well, I mean, Hey, so I had my, you know, I was just like, well, that's that's what happened last year. So, hey, so I, I wasn't as hurt. But during this time, for some reason, I had this hunger to just, I wanted to go to a Christian school. My life did like a completely 180. And I'm like, 
God, I don't want to stay here. I want to be in this environment because I see how you're working in my life, and I feel this is where you want me to be. So when I received the letter, I was just like, well, since I'm on the wait list, I guess that's not what you have planned for me. So I was just like, whatever. So fourth letter came in, fifth letter came in. It was all rejection letters, or some of them were wait lists as well. Um, I believe the sixth letter or so was from the school governor state in Illinois, and I was accepted. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, God, <laughs> I guess this is really what you want me to do. Is this what you have in store for me? I was I was so happy. And I remember Christina, she was looking where it is. She was just like, oh, Brian has people in Chicago not too far away, so you'll be great. And I was just over the moon. I was like, thank you, God. I'm getting out of here. Like, I'm getting out. Like, I'm leaving. And <laughs> so after a week of just, you know, saying thank you, thank you, thank you, then it sank in. And I'm like, you're sending me in the cold, God. <laughs> I'm like, um, I said, don't get me wrong. God knew I was, I was grateful. I was just like, I wanted to go to grad school. I was asking you if this is the right path for me. You opened this door. Now I know. But um, are you sure, God? <laughs> are you sure this is what you want? And I didn't even know. My mom was all happy in my face, but she was actually praying as well. She was, like, scared a little. Because, okay, I'm the only child, and um, I depend on my mom a lot. <laughs> so it was kind of scary just, like, going so far away from her. So I was just like, you know what, God, I know if this is what you want for me, you're going to provide, you're going to open doors, and, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. So one day um, around April, April 18th, um, I have a missed call from California. Oh, two, the two other schools I applied to in California, one said no and one put me on their wait list. So I'm like, well, there, there goes my chance to go to California. So um, I had a missed call from California. And then when I had time, like I listened to my voicemail and it says, Fundy, this is Diana Ritchie from Loma Linda. <laughs> and we just want to tell you, if you still want us, we would love to accept you. <laughs> a voicemail, okay? It wasn't a letter. She called. a joke I mean they send letters they don't call like are you kidding me right now like this this can't be true and I'm like what do I do so I called back and she said hey Fundy I'm glad you called back I was waiting for you and then she was just like so are you gonna accept us and I was just like oh it's it's for real and she said 
yeah. And she said, do you, you know, are, are you still interested? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said, okay, great. I'm going to send out, you know, the letters out to you and you just send your deposit and you'll be in. And I said, okay. So during this time, I had these voices in my head, like, that was saying, like, it was not true, it was a joke, they're going to come back saying they're just messing with you, so I was still, I told the school in Illinois that I, you know, accepted, so I was already, you know, in part with them, because this voice, they just keep saying, like, okay, you're not, you know, it's not true, like, you know, <laughs> who, they're not, why would they call you and tell you this? So um, I was, you know, I, they, they sent me the letter, and then I was just like, oh, okay, I sent everything back. Again, I'm still thinking I didn't really want to tell anybody. I actually, I didn't tell anyone because I'm like, this is not true. Like, this, is, this can't be real. So I'm like, okay. So by this time, I'm like, okay, well, forget whatever other schools I applied to. So some other school, um, one other school in um, Oklahoma, they wrote me and they're like, okay, are you still interested, you know, in coming to the speech path program? And I said, no, because if I said yes, then I would go on their wait list. So I said no. And then there was a school in New York, um, Long Island. They wrote me and they're like, Fundy, you know, we would love to accept you into our graduate program. And I was just like... <laughs> been through this I mean you guys won't really understand <laughs> when I had so many doubts I felt so insecure like I can't, I can't even really talk and I really be a speech path but I'm in love with this and all these negative thoughts <laughs> and I said God just open one door. I just want one door open. And he opened three. And, <laughs> and of course, when the devil's messing with you, when they're bringing negative thoughts in your mind, you're doubting everything. So I'm still thinking, like, Loma Linda is still, they're just playing with me. It's still not going to happen. So I said yes to Long Island, and I said, sure, I would love to come to your graduate program. So when it came down to it, um, I remember Governor State, they wrote me, they're like, okay, well, um, you know, you need to, we have orientation on this date, and, and then Long Island said, you need to send in your deposit, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I need to say no, you know, to one of these schools, so I had to take some time, and I had to pray, and I said, God, I'm going to trust you and not think this is a joke. So I replied to Governor State, and I said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, thank you for the opportunity, but, you know, I'll be declining the offer. So I said no to Governor State, and I was holding on to Long Island. I was holding on to them. And then she called me. She said, are you still interested because we're waiting for the deposit? And I said, yeah, sure, I'm still interested. Then she called again, and she was just like, um, the deadline passed. You know, we need your deposit. And I was just like, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm not going to accept. So now I was down, you know, to Loma Linda. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, you know, time for me to just go out on a limb and trust God and see what happens. So now when you look at Loma, Loma Linda's um, tuition compared to Governor State, 
it's, tw <laughs> it's twice as more. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Third loan's out there. So if this is where you want me to go, God, this is where I'm going to go. So throughout this whole experience, now I have everything said, everything is done, financial aid is done, everything is done. And I found out that, you know how people, they, were t they used to say, they, well, they still say, it doesn't matter, you know, what you have, you know, all the things that you have, they're not going to bring you happiness. And I used to look at them and I used to be like, well, you, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you have your life set, you have a nice house, you have a nice car, so of course you're happy and you're going to say, oh yeah, God, you know, you need God to be happy, you know, all these things are not going to bring you, I'm like, yeah, right, because you're already set. And I truly had to learn whether I got my, you know, master's in speech path, whether, you know, I went to a, a different path, I am really now starting to realize none of these things will truly bring me happiness. And it sounds crazy. I can have a nice car, <laughs> but none of these things truly bring happiness because trust, I am over the moon. I am happy. But I had this void inside of me that was still missing. Like, I, I still wasn't, I wasn't complete. Although, you know, God answered my prayer. I mean, he took his time to answer it, but he did. But I was still, I still had this void inside of me. So my prayer now just has been for me to work on my relationship with God and grow. <laughs> Because I truly, truly, this might be crazy, but I truly, truly believe even, let's say, I, I go to grad school, I finish, I do this, I do that. I don't think me having that degree will bring me happiness. So please continue to pray for me as I work on my relationship with God and get to know him on a deeper level. Therefore, when things go wrong in life, that I don't ever go back to that stage where I feel life is over because of this. Because I know I have God, and I have bigger goals to look ahead of. So please continue to keep me in your prayer. Thank you.
Yes, 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 Jesus is excellent. You didn't say that like you really believe it. Jesus is excellent. I want to thank Fundy for her testimony. I guess you can say that girl has got a testimony. When God has done something for you, You've got a testimony. So much to be said. I'm just going to stay with the plan. Let me call your attention this morning. Choir, thank you so much for the reminder that Jesus is excellent. I'm getting some weak amens today, but somehow I just know he's excellent. Sometimes you need to just be able to hold on to the fact that he's excellent because sometimes that's all you got. But that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Ellen White says, the only thing we have to fear for the future is if we forget how God has led us in the past. Maybe you're so quiet because the hour is late. I'm not sure what it is today. But let me call your attention to our reading for this morning. In the book of Judges, chapter 13, I'm going to be reading from the clear word. Judges, chapter 13, I'm going to read in your hearing verses 25, 24, and 25. word says, soon after Manoah's wife became pregnant and later gave birth to a son. They called him Samson. The Lord was with the boy and he grew up and blessed him in extraordinary ways. One day while he was still a young man, he went to visit the city of Manehadan occupied by the Philistines and located between the city of Zorah and Esteral. While he was there, he saw how harshly they treated his people. The word says that when the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, or that then the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. My subject this morning is, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us nor forsake us and I gave it a subtitle. He won't do it. He won't do it. Tell somebody this morning he won't do it. Today I want to look at the life of Samson. Specifically I want to look not only at Samson's weaknesses but I want to look at his strengths. For I believe that some of us, like Samson, have got some weaknesses that we need to get rid of by the grace of God. But I also want to look at Samson because I believe Samson has got some strengths that some of us need. Let's pray, Father. We know that your presence is here. We now ask, Lord, that you will manifest your power. 
Open up the channels, Lord, that we may hear and understand this word. And I pray, Lord, that you'll rain down deliverance upon us today. Strengthen us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Keeping your Bibles open, I want to read just a few passages for you. We're going to stay in the Word today. Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it says, Again, the Israelites turned away from the Lord. So he let the Philistines oppress them for 40 years. During this time, there was a man living in Zorah in the territory of Dan named Manoah. His wife was not able to have children. One day, the angel of the Lord who had, who, one day, the angel of the Lord who had led the children of Israel out of Egypt appeared to her and said, I know you haven't been able to have children, but soon you will become pregnant and have a son. I don't want you to drink any alcoholic beverage. Listen, listen carefully. Not even unfermented wine. Nor do I want you to eat any unclean food because it will affect the development of your baby before he is born. As he grows up, I don't want you to cut his hair. No knife or razor should, should touch his head. He is to be set apart for the Lord from the day he is born. The boy is to be a Nazareth, a Nazarite. He is not to drink of the wine, of the fruit of the wine, nor eat its products, fresh or dry, nor is he to touch a dead body. I have chosen him to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. The Bible says that Manoah's wife quickly found her husband and told him all about it. Saying, a man of God appeared to me. He looked awesome like the angel of the Lord. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't give me his name. But he said, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. I don't want you to drink any alcoholic beverage, nor even unfermented wine, nor do I want you to eat unclean foods because the boy is to be set apart for the Lord from the day of his birth. He is to be a Nazarite. I know you didn't get it. I know you didn't get it. But it's interesting to me that the angel of the Lord gave Manoah's wife the instructions for the boy. But the angel also gave her the vision, the mission for the boy. Just because of time, I'm not... She, the angel told the woman that the boy will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. She quickly ran to her husband and relayed everything that the angel said that she should do or not do. But when you look at your Bible, she never tells her husband what the angel says the mission was for the boy. Mm. That probably didn't touch you like it touched me. But it made me ask the question, if we are not so often caught up with the instructions that we lose sight of the mission. We lose sight of the mission for our lives 
We lose sight of the mission for our children's lives, and we lose sight of the mission for the church because we're so caught up with just the instructions. You see, the instructions, I believe, are to aid us in accomplishing the mission. I know we're getting into this real quickly, right? But a people with a lot of instructions, a lot of do's and don'ts, who have no mission, are a powerless people. It made me question my parenting with my children. Am I so caught up just with the do's and don'ts and not what is the mission that God may have for their lives? That all I'm talking about is the do's and don'ts but no focus on the mission? I can only imagine children who have no mission are just aimlessly kind of wandering, right? Because all we're telling them about is do's and don'ts and don't do this and you stop doing that. And, but we're not telling them about the mission. I wish I had time to develop this. This is a sermon in and of itself and it's not really one of my main points. But I saw it and I couldn't help but really pay attention to it. We are a people with a mission. Matthew 24, 14 says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness. And then shall the end come. That is our mission. Our mission is to get, is, is to hasten the coming of the kingdom by sharing the three angels' message. Bible workers, Sabbath school teachers, teachers, Let's be sure that we're not just talking about the instructions. Let's not just bring people in on the instructions, but let's give them the mission. Because when they have the mission, they will be like DeMarco. Everybody he meets at the bus station, or the driving anywhere, down at the corner, he's telling them about our Lord and our Savior. He's got a mission. As we continue to read, and I'm just going to not read it all. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Manoah prays that the angel would come back and tell him the instructions and what they should do with the child. And when you read it, the angel comes back and the angel repeats the instructions. The angel tells him everything I told the woman, pay attention to. But he only tells him about the do's and don'ts. The angel never shares with Manoah the mission. It made me realize that sometimes when God's, when not sometimes, whenever God is speaking, we better take note. We better take note because God is not obligated to repeat himself. I don't know if you've ever had an impression, but didn't take time to note it. And you keep trying to remember what that impression is. That's probably helpful when you're writing the book. You keep trying to remember what that impression is. And it never comes back again. There's something about God that he is so magnificent. That if you're not taking note when he's speaking, he's not obligated to repeat himself. When you continue looking at chapter 13... You see that the angel told the woman that she would have a son. Many other women in the Bible did not have a son, and they prayed to God for a son. 
Manoah's wife did not pray. At least the Bible doesn't say she did. But the angel of the Lord says, you are barren, you shall have a child, and you shall bear a son. The first thing I see when I look at Samson's life is that Samson's existence was God's idea. Samson's existence was God's idea. Why is that important to me? Because my existence is God's idea. Your existence is God's idea. We're here because God wants us here. And I got to tell you, it doesn't matter. Maybe it does to some folks. But the reality is once you're here, God don't care how you got here. Before you get here, well, I don't want to get into that, but our existence is God's idea. Our existence is God's idea. Our church's existence is God's idea. We are not here at the corner of J and Doolittle by chance. Highland Square, now abundant life, we're here because God wants us here. The other thing I saw as I read the instructions is that Samson's life instructions, the angel told him exactly what he should do, what he should eat, what he should not eat, what he should drink, what he should not drink, what he should touch, what he should not touch. And the angel said he should not cut his hair. Samson's life instructions was given to him by God. And what I begin to see is that God has put in these pillars in the life of Samson. Samson, you're here because I want you here. Samson, here is how you are to govern your life. Our life instructions have been given to us by God. These are blessings that we have. Our life instructions have been given to us by God. And then the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord began to move Samson. Samson's strength, Samson's gifts were given to him by God. Our gifts were given to us by God. Our gifts were given to us by God. And so the question this morning that I have, as I try to condense, is what did Samson do with these gifts? What did Samson do with these gifts? When you read the story, the first thing you see is that Samson became a man. He went down to Timnah. And he saw a woman, a Philistine woman, an idol-worshiping woman. And Samson's eyes just about popped out of his head. He said, whoa, she is mighty good-looking. Samson run home to his parents and says, listen, I saw a woman in Timnah. She pleases me well. You got to get her for me. Wow. Samson's parents says, Samson, did you lose your mind? Timnah, one of those Philistines, uncircumcised, idol-worshiping woman. Samson says, mom, you don't know. You have to see this woman. She's a brick. <laughs> 
Some of y'all don't know anything about that, but Samson says she's a brick. You gotta get me this woman. And so very quickly, you see that Samson began to disregard the instructions that was given to him. He began to disregard his life instructions and he began to, be, to, be, to, to go contrary to the biblical principles that he's been taught. And instead, he begins to, 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 to react based on his own impulses and passions. The reason I'm telling you that is that some of us got this Samson problem. We are going contrary to the life instructions that God has given to us. And I got to tell you, I mean, there's just so much to be said, but I'm, I'm going to condense. Having children, myself, I begin to understand why God don't want us to be unequally yoked up with these Philistine men or women. I got to tell you, my own children raised in my own house, how difficult it is to get our values together. You with me? Even though you're raising them up in your own place, their values are going this way and your values are this way, right? And trying to hope before it's all done that they come this way is almost a miracle. Imagine when you get yoked up with someone who's been going this way all their lives. You've been going this way, and now that you are 25 or 30 or whatever, you're trying to bring it like this? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. I understand, you know, I, I, like I said, having children, I begin to understand this more. I'm thinking... I can talk about Kobe because he's not here. <laughs> I'm like, where, where did you get this stuff? You want 20 pair of shoes? And, and, and so what you see is that values, values, and in relationship where we have our biggest clashes is where our values collide. So the first thing you see that Samson begins to do is he begins to disregard his blessings. The next thing we see is that Samson is in Gaza. And the word says that he went into a prostitute and spent the night. I can only imagine the, headline, the headlines. The, the alleged judge of Israel, the leader of the so-called people of God, was sighted in Gaza a few nights ago in with a prostitute. And, and when the people of Gaza heard about it, they, they surrounded the gates, the place, waiting so that they may kill him. But somehow, that shrewd judge of, of, of Israel got up at midnight, eluded all of the people, and left. And when he left, he took up the gates weighing some 800 pounds and dragged them up the hill and dumped them there. Once again, that shrewd judge of Israel got away. 
But more importantly here, you begin to see what Samson is doing with these blessings, with these pillars that God has given him, is that Samson begins to dishonor the God that gave him these blessings, that gave him these instructions, that gave him these pillars. And what I'm telling you today is that when you and I begin to do whatever we want to do, to act purely on our impulses and, our, and on our own gratifications, we, like Samson, dishonor the God who have given us these awesome blessings and life instructions. There's so much in here. But let's keep going. Next, we see that Samson is in the valley of Zurich. The Bible uses these words. He said he fell in love with Delilah. He fell in love with Delilah. I don't know what's going on with Samson and these Philistine women. I don't know what's going on. Ellen White says that because Samson in his early childhood had such affiliation with the Philistines, he developed an affection for the Philistine women. Young people, are you listening to me? Are you all listening to me? When you start hobnobbing and Facebooking and texting and, 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 and doing all this stuff and you got these Philistines all over you, before you know it, the only thing you're gonna like, the only thing that's gonna attract you is Philistine women and Philistine men who our Lord says we shouldn't yoke up with. And so Samson got into this. If you look at Samson's progression, he's in Timnah saying, get her for me, I want to marry her. The next thing, he is down in Philistine, and, 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 and he's down in Tim. no, he's down in Gezah, paying for stuff. Next thing, he's now saying, hey, you got my whole heart, I love you. He, he is with, 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 with Delilah. And you know the story. The, 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 the Philistine leaders went to Delilah and says, listen, we need you to talk to Samson. We, we, we've been looking at him. We see he has a particular kind of weakness. He love our girls. He love our girls. And you got so much charm and beauty and things about you that we want you to get his secret so that we will know how we can disable him, how we may even be able to kill him. These Philistine men and women can't love you the way that you need to be loved. Listen to me. God has given to us, his children, a kind of love that we call agape love. It's a God-like love. It's a love that will endure all types of things. That first woman he married down in Timnah, he told her his little riddle, y'all remember that? And when the pressure was on, she was telling his secrets. Now he has Delilah that he loves. And when the pressure is on, look at what she's going to do. And so three times, Delilah goes in, Samson, 
How can you say you love me? And you won't tell me all these, you won't tell me the source of your strengths. And Samson, he's a shrewd fellow, so he gives us some, 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 some misconceptions, some, some wrong information. And she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Hulk, the incredible hug breaks out. And Samson goes and he smashes them. And she says, oh, Samson, how could you do that to me? You say you love me. And Samson just has a thing, right? He has this thing. He can't handle his women saying that you don't love me. He can't handle it. He has this, this kind of psychological thing. I, I wonder, <laughs> Christina, if I do a little psychotherapy here, right? If the fact that Samson had gotten messed up with this woman in Timnah, who got given away to somebody else, so that his first relationship didn't go so well. And now he's trying to compensate. He's trying to compensate. He's trying to compensate. And now he's going the extra mile. Most people, common sense would say, get out of there. Kick that woman to the side and get out of there. But when you got these psychological things going on, he's in there, DeMarco, thinking he's going to change Delilah. He's going to make a good, honest woman out of Delilah before this is all done. He's going to fix her. Once, twice. The second time, he gets even closer to home. He doesn't see it. There's a parable that says the best way to cook a frog. You all know how to do that? Put him in the pot. Just keep turning the fire, the flame up little by little by little. Before you know it, he is so well done, can't move, right? And that's what Delilah is doing to Samson. He don't realize it, right? And you know, the problem with Samson is that he probably thinks he is smart. Samson believes he's in charge. He probably thinks he's got this figured out. He's a judge. Who's Delilah? You know what I mean? He's a judge. He's got this, right? But when you play with fire, there is a great tendency that you will get burned. And so first he tells her, well, you know, just braid my hair up in a funny kind of way. He does that. Samson, the Philistine's up on you. Boom. Oh, Samson, Samson, Samson. And now she's probably crying day and night. The man wakes up in the morning, she's crying. Comes home for lunch, she's crying. Time to go to bed, she's crying. Days and she's crying, and Samson just can't take it anymore. The Bible says that she vexed his soul. She vexed his soul. Sisters, <laughs> folks be trying to wear you down, asking you for stuff. Vexing your soul. Vexing your soul. Vexing your soul. And before you know it, if you stay there, you're going to tell your secrets. You're going to tell your secrets. And so here Samson tells her his secrets. And you know the story. Philistines are upon you, and he gets up and shakes himself like he always did. But what he didn't know is the Lord had left him. The Lord had left him because he had, the one thing at least that when you look at Samson, you could say he had a relationship that he was a Nazarite was his here. 
and I was gone. I didn't tell you that story as well as I wanted to tell it, as I wanted to tell it to you. But I want to step away from Samson for just a minute. As the young people would say, we're all up in Samson's business. I want to step away from Samson for just a minute. Because clearly Samson is wiling out. He is squandering these blessings that God has given to him. But here's my question as I was reading the story. What is the church doing? What is the church doing while Samson is wiling out and squandering his blessings? The reason I want to ask that question is because I want to know what is abundant life doing when our modern-day Samsons are wiling out and squandering their blessings. What is abundant life doing? What are you doing? I know we got some Samsons. You know we got some Samsons. Some of you all are Samsons. What is the church doing? The Bible only gives a couple insights. After Samson had, had, had married a Temanite woman, he left because she told a secret because he was vexed. He came back to get her and discovered that her dad had given her to some other man, I think his best man. And boy, he was mad. Samson was a lover. <laughs> that boy was mad. He's like, you know, I was just vexed. I left. Did you have to, to, to leave me like that? Probably scarred him for life. But when he came back and he discovered that she was given away, that, that Samson went crazy. They said he caught some three or four hundred foxes. I'm not sure how one man could do that. But all night, Samson is running the fields, catching foxes, putting them in cages, running the field, catching foxes. The man is mad. And he comes up with a plan and he ties a rope on one tail and another and, 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 a, and, a, and a torch in the middle. And he released those foxes in the, in the Philistine fields. He says, I'm going to get you all. Burned down their, their wheat supply, burned down their, their vineyards, made a mess. And the Philistines, they got mad too. The Bible says a, thousands of, a thousand of them went up to, to, to where the Israelites were and camped. The Israelites says, what's happening? Why are you all up here? They said, we came to get Samson because of what he did to us. We're going to do to him what he did to us. This is the church now. Israel represents the church. You know what Israel did? 3,000 of them. Now, they respected Samson. 3,000 of them went down to where he was in Edom, I believe. And Samson says, what's going on? They said, Samson, don't you know the Philistines are over us? You're going messing with those people? We have come to get you, Samson, to give you to the Philistine, our enemies. That's the church now. That's the church. And look at what Samson did. Samson could have railed up upon all of them. Samson says, here, take me. I just need you to promise me one thing. You're not going to hurt me. And that tells me, you know, Samson loved his people. He had some problems. He had some problems, but he loved his people. Perhaps more than his people loved him. And they took Samson. And here is the Israelites' army, 3,000 men strong and one little Samson. 
to deliver him to the execution of these thousand Philistines. <laughs> I told you that we need a little bit more Samson because I could see Samson walking down there. Now, in my day, we say he had a bop. Um, today, they say that uh, swag. Samson's walking down with some swag. A thousand men, he's walking with swag. You know why? Samson had courage. The Philistines, three, I mean, those Israelites, three thousands of them. Some coward folks. Church, we need more courage. We need more courage. Yes, Samson's got some weaknesses, but Samson's got courage. We need more of that. The other place you see the church is it says that after Samson was killed, that his brethren and a whole bunch of them went down to the gravesite where Samson was dead to get him and take him up to bury him. Church, we got to be careful that we're not just showing up at the sentencing and the burial, right? Of our Samsons. Because it's easy for us to say, you know what? He did this, she did this. I'm done. I'm done. Don't bring no babies in here, because if you do, I'm done. And I'm not encouraging that. I'm just telling you, when I look here at where the church was, I hope that somebody like Sister Richie was praying for Samson. I hope somebody is praying for Samson. I hope somebody is interceding, calling his name when he's down there in Gaza because he needs somebody to be calling his name. The thing that, that, that we may not realize is when God has blessed us, the devil equally allies himself and his allies to destroy us. Samson had a, a, a bullseye on his back. And every day, Satan got up. And if we don't stay close to God, no matter how good we think we are, DeMarco, he's always going to win, right? And that's why we need somebody in the church like Sister Richie and others to be praying, to be praying. Even when we slip and make some mistakes, we need somebody to be praying. But I got to tell you, the church is important, very important. But I'm much more interested in trying to understand what is God doing while Samson is wiling out. The God who gave him all these blessings, what is God doing while Samson is wiling out? When you look at the chapter, you have to kind of just work with it. It says that after the Timonite woman had told his secrets and he was uh, going down to, to get the, 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 three, the 30 garments that he had to repay, he went down there. There were 30 men. Terry Samson was a courageous man. 30 men, and it says the Spirit of the Lord moved and Samson. And he killed him, killed them all.
thing that the Bible says is that while Samson was selecting this Timonite woman, his parents couldn't understand it. But it says an, an interest, and he says that God used that as an occasion to confront the Philistines. Now, I don't know if you can understand how deep that is. Here is Samson. God gives him a mission. Samson is going like Jonah over here, away from his mission. But God is so magnificent that God used over here to begin to accomplish the mission that he gave to Samson. You know that text that says in Philippians 3.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God's will is going to be done. Whether or not we want to go to Nineveh or not, God's will will be done. And so here it is. You would think since this man is, 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 is disregarding and dishonoring and, and betraying his secrets that God would just kick him to the side. But instead... God is still working. God is still angling and maneuvering with Samson. And when he gets there to the thousand men with his swagger, it says that as they started shouting and, 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 and advancing towards Samson, the Bible says this, Karen, which is interesting. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson. And Samson with a jawbone that day slayed a thousand men. Not ten, not thirty, not a hundred. By himself, a thousand men. How many of you know that you got to have some Holy Ghost in you <laughs> to kill a thousand men? It's interesting to me, right? I'm not sure where the church is. Maybe they, they all decided to write him off, right? But a thousand men, Samson and God. Working it out. God says, boy, you're wilding out. You're acting like a fool, but I got a mission for you. I got a mission for you. And you are my chosen one to get it done. We got to be careful with our Samsons, right? All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Samson has his eyes taken out. This powerful incredible man got his eyes taken out and now they have, have, have moved him to the prison. His job is to grind the wheat. And he's in there grinding. Some folks are saying you got exactly what you deserve. We've been telling you you won't listen. That's what you deserve. You've got exactly what you deserve. But, but, but Elder Sanford, somehow Samson is there grinding the wheat. And I got to believe, I don't know what the songs were back then, but I got to believe a song like Precious Memory. Oh, how they linger. Oh, how they ever flood my soul. Even in the stillness of the midnight, those teachings, those blessings, those pillars started coming back to him. He started remembering, you know, man, I'm down here blind, washed up. But you know what? My existence is God. My existence is God's idea. I'm not here by chance. My existence is God's idea. And maybe his swagger started coming back, Jez. He started getting a little swagger. He started remembering his life instructions. He couldn't read anymore. 
But now that he's blind, he sees more clearly than ever before. Sometimes God has got to knock us up. It may not be that he blinds us. It may be a marriage that goes bad. It may be a job that goes away. It may be some disease that is diagnosed. It may be an unwanted pregnancy. It may be something. But God is just that kind of God. And sometimes he got to take our vision away just so that we may see more clearly than ever before. Finally, thank you so much for your testimony. Thank you so much for your testimony. Sometimes God has got to take us through something. So we are or in position to hear him talking. Maybe it was one of those songs like Amazing Grace. Oh, how sweet the sound that save a wretch like me. And Samson here begins to grow, and his relationship begins to grow. And I can imagine Samson now, before he was frowning, pushing that wheel. Now he's smiling. People walk by do y'all know what happened to Samson? That brother must be losing his mind. Every day I go by, he's smiling and singing and whistling. What's happening? That relationship like a little bud is beginning to blossom. It's beginning to grow. The Bible says, I think in, verse, in chapter 16, verse 22, that Samson confessed his sin. He said, Lord, I know that I, I, I have totally messed up I've totally just disgraced everything that you've done and everything you wanted me to do, and I'm so sorry. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us. And so the Philistines, they get together, and they're in the, the temple of Dagon, their God, the fish God. And they're there to worship Dagon and to thank Dagon for delivering Samson into their hands. And they're there, and they're drinking and having a good time. And somebody gave them a great idea. Let's get Samson. Let's make sport of him. In my mind's eye, they tell the little lad that guides Samson around, go get Samson. And that little boy, probably spending some time with Samson, started to like good old Samson. Samson was so pleasant and singing, and Samson probably started sharing with him, you know, son, my existence, my mom couldn't have no children. God, through an angel, told her that I would be here. I spent years in the Abundant Life Christian Academy and others learning about God. But I went away. I went away. I went away. I went off. I went off. And somehow, Samson says to the little guy, what's going on now? They said, they, Samson, I'm sorry, but they want to make sports of you. It's not going to be pretty. I'm not sure what it's going to do. He says, let's go. And probably those Philistines' amazement, Samson shows up with his locks and his swagger. Can't see a lick, but he got swagger up in the place, and he's in there. And they're rejoicing and having a good time. <laughs> Samson says to that lad, could you, could, you, could you just take me to where the pillars are? <laughs> Those pillars? Somehow when we come back to the pillars, right? When we come back to the pillars, that our life existence is God's idea. That our life instructions is from God. That our strength is from God. I don't have time to deal with this, but, but I wanted you to know 
that God has given you some strengths, some gifts, and some of you are sitting on those strengths and sitting on those gifts. You're sitting on them right up in the church. Something happened a few years ago, and you said, I'm never going to do nothing again. Some of you can do some amazing things, but you're just sitting there doing nothing. Sitting on your gifts. Oh, that is a sermon in and of itself. But it's going to be time for election soon. And I don't know if you're going to be like Samson of old, but don't sit on your gifts. Don't sit on those strengths that God has given you. He's given them to you so that you could accomplish the mission that he's given you. That mission to hasten his kingdom, to come and join forces with this band right here and hasten his kingdom. But Samson is there. He tells the boy, let me, let me feel the pillars. And he's standing there. And Sister Bray, I think Samson, his vision is clearer than it's ever been. He understands my vision, my mission that God was, had given me was not to deliver Israel, but to start to deliver Israel. And what a time like this. The king is there. All of the commissioners, all of the, the cabinet is there. The whole infrastructure, the, the, the generals, the army, everybody is here. Man, what a time like this. And Samson is leaning on the pillars. And he bows his head and he says, Lord, I see it. I see what it is you wanted me to do. And Lord, if you would just use me on this occasion, if you would just use me, Lord, I'm going to accomplish this mission for you. And the Spirit of the Lord moved in Samson. And the Bible says that at that time and at that place, Samson killed more people at his death than he did in his entire life and began to accomplish the mission that God had given to him. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. In the book of Hebrews, you see, I've heard the story told, but it's all just about Samson the villain. But I think there is something beautiful here in the mercies and goodness of God. In, in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 24 to 25. Sorry, I think I gave you the wrong chapter. It's chapter 11, verses 30 to 33. It says, by fate, the wall of Jericho collapsed after all the children of Israel marched around the city each day for seven days. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute in Jericho, believed in the God of Israel and was not killed with those who refused to believe. By fate, she becomes the spies and hid, I'm sorry, by fate, she welcomed the spies and hid them at the risk of her own life. There are many such people of faith, but there isn't time for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, and Samson. 
Samson goes from the Valley of Zorak into the Hall of Fame. How did he get there? How did he get there? <laughs> he confessed. He rekindled his relationship after all these going astray. And because God had promised in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, I imagine that Samson screamed out that promise as he was standing there with those pillars. I imagine that Samson says, I have heard the thunder roar. I can't see the lightning when it flashes. But my God has promised never, never, never to leave me. Oh, that promise is a promise for us today. It's repeated in the book of Hebrews, I think chapter 13, verse 5. Our God has promised never, never to leave us. No matter how far we stray, whenever we get ready to come home, if we would call upon his name, we could be washed up, blind, crippled, if we would call in Jesus. He's promised. He gave that promise way back to the children of Israel, and he knew that those children of Israel would do some awful things. But our God promised never, never to leave us alone. I'm not sure if there are any Samsons in the house who want to say, no, Lord, I'm not going to wait till they take out my eyes. I'm going to come while I can still see. You don't have to wait to be all messed up. God will take you just as you are right now. If there's a Samson in the house that want to say, Lord, I want to work it out. I want to do what Samson did. I want, to, I want to confess my sins today. I'm not asking you to take no Bible studies. I'm not asking you to do anything because it all starts with Jesus. Is there a Samson in the house today? Is there somebody in the house today that just want to make it right? You know you're squandering those blessings that God has given to you. The door is open. The door is open. Amazing grace. How come down and join me. Come down and join me. We just gonna pray about it today. If it be your will. That saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found I was blind But right now I see T'was grace T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears really I got 
got to tell you, I don't believe that God gave me this message just for fun. God gave me this message because he's got some Samson's up in the place. I need to change course. See, I believe, I believe, listen to this, I believe. Listen to me, I believe. I believe that there are those of us who know that we should change. Are you listening to me? We know that we should change. And if we don't change, life will change for us like it did for Samson. But it's going to be at a much more significant cost. Are you listening to me? It cost Samson his eyes. He came home, but it cost him his eyes. We don't have to let that happen. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word today. Thank you, Lord, for those who, like Samson, have the courage to step out today. There are others, Lord, who want to step out but may not have the courage. Lord, I ask that you will give them the courage. Lord, I pray today now that this decision, I'm too understanding, this decision, Lord, that we're making by your grace to surrender our lives and to rekindle our relationship with you or strengthen our relationship. Lord, we ask that you'll do a supernatural thing here today and that this would be a landmark. Everybody standing here today would say today was really a point in my, in my life where I can go back and see that I made a critical change. We ask, Lord, that you will do that for us in the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen again.